0: January 22, 2021. It's a lot of Bino show. Show Happy Friday. Uh, brother Matt at the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point a couple miles south because still quit quarantino mode, but I'm not totally man-loaded. Good people because of those engineers with their software in Estonia and their righteous Skype invention. I got Mr. Jeff Pincus with me. Hey, brother hey. Jeff. What, where are you talking to me from?
1: I'm talking to you from Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. Just west of Asheville. Kind of up in on Pillbilly Hill next to Meth Mountain. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I-40, there's a kind of a treacherous past there on the interstate between Tennessee.
1: Man, yes, yes, there is. And I came up through Georgia with my F-150 with a 5,000-pound uh, trailer with no trailer brakes oh, in the fuck. rain coming over the hills, coming from Georgia, Young Harris coming up that way. And uh, my wife was in the RV behind me with the dogs, and it's an old 73 with you know no disc brakes. <laughs> And she was screaming at the top of her lungs, why, why? Because I wouldn't slow down. She didn't know I had my my foot all the way to the floor on the brakes. Oh, man. It was just pushing me down the hill, man. But that was like the last 60 miles of our journey. We moved out here in May right after after all this COVID stuff happened. We were already planning on moving out, but it just uh, delayed our trip a little bit.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you made it safe. Because, you know, I've been in it with the fog heavy.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess. And they call it the Smokies
0: for a reason out here. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Dollywood ain't that far.
1: No, not at all, man. That's, a, that's about an hour and a half away from where I'm at. Yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, we start off the show John Coltrane with Duke Ellington doing Stevie. We got to thank Stevie Bono for making the connect here.
1: Sweet, yeah, of course. I love Stevie, man. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a funny guy, man.
0: Right, absolutely. He's doing drums these days.
1: I did not know this. Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah I heard some of the stuff he was working on, but it sounded like Drum Machine at the time. <laughs> maybe maybe he's just that good. I
0: don't know. <laughs> okay, and then we had J.D. Pincus. Pissin' Dirty. And I guess that it's your most recent where you're doing like the banjo and Yeah, singing. yeah,
1: yeah. That's a, that's my solo banjo. Uh that's my, my first album that one's off of. Uh it's probably gotten the most hits off of Spotify and probably like twenty. No, I'm kidding. That's a <laughs> I think the name and dirty uh interests people more than the song. Who knows,
0: man. I think it's a great song. And, and uh, do you have a Bandcamp cuz that's where people can really reward you?
1: I do. I have a yeah. JD uh JD Pinkus Bandcamp with uh it has uh stuff from a few projects on it. Uh <laughs> that if people are interested in what they hear or whatever. They they can come shop if they want and say hi. I I respond to the stuff and the and the, the spellings all wrong, but I I do respond.
0: <laughs> that's okay. Pettibone ain't good at spelling either, but he's great uh, at uh, concepts. You know, I was reading about uh, somebody was saying, I don't know, 50 bucks for like a million Spotify plays. Oh, yeah. I can't Beaten, remember this yeah. cat. Yeah. So that's why I mentioned the band cat. Look, look, let's talk about your journey in music. What's your earliest musical recollection, Jeff?
1: My earliest recollection would probably be uh, I don't know. I would imagine, you know, being here in AM radio is probably everybody's, you know, by like driving, you know, when we had in the car, with, yeah. uh, you know, with the folks playing music while we're driving. And, you know, uh, just like when everyone first got a TV, everyone's going to use it. So, you know, it's captive audience. But that's, that's what I first remember here and then my sister was real musical uh she uh uh she's a preacher now pastor in north georgia Uh, and she she used to uh, play piano and sing all the time she actually got uh we were in georgia uh and she got went to valdosta the governor's honors program because of her piano playing and also she spoke french in georgia which i tried to do as well but I, i figured out i was just only in it for the cheese and i must have heard i must have heard bridge over troubled water a million times and leave on by elton john Uh, (laughs) but uh, i would i would probably like to think that because of my sister always banging on a fairly not a honky-tonk tuned piano it was fairly well tuned that my ears got you know fairly well in pitch when i was a kid uh you know i still couldn't sing to save my life i still can't but uh uh I, th- I figured out for singing the trick is it's it's not people started telling me i was a better singer it's not that i'm a better singer i started realizing that i can't sing in every key <laughs> <laughs> Being a musician, you want to you know you want to write a song in every key but you forget that you got to sing on top of it right. and man that can really that can put a whooping on you
0: <laughs> yeah yeah well uh so you grew up in the pad that there was a piano. So you grew up with musical instruments in the pad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My sister, uh, my, my folks weren't really musical. Although I hear my dad played saxophone when he was younger, but, uh, but you know he was all listening to talk radio, logic major, uh, you know, uh, trig teacher, all that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, having the piano in the house was, was the start. And then we got acoustic guitars and, uh, I remember I didn't like learning Puff the Magic Dragon because I didn't realize how cool of a song it actually was at the time. <laughs> and so I, I fired uh, fired my teacher, I guess, at the tender age of probably uh, eight or nine or something. And then I picked up an uh, electric guitar that my sister traded both of our acoustics for. And then I got turned on to bass guitar probably the tender age of about 11 at Rhythm City in Atlanta. And I got a Fender Mustang bass, which I really wish I still had. And uh, and I had a uh, bass amp that was actually, I think, a guitar amp, but it was from one of the guys from Paul Revere and the Raiders. Oh, wow. From R- yeah, from Rhythm City in Atlanta, in Atlanta. But I remember just like, you know, the first time I played the bass and I felt that in my stomach and I was like, whoa, I've, this is this is where I'm at. And I, I grew up down the street from a band called Mother's Finest. Oh, yeah, uh, I remember them. Oh, uh, they're still around. And, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, Dion, their son now plays drums for them. But what an amazing band it was. And I think that's kind of where, like, I got the, the rock groove. They kind of took Zeppelin riffs and, and, and made them a little funkier. It was late 70s or whatever. But uh, but that was, you yeah, know, I went to school with uh, Dion and my Hit- friend lived. in to him and stuff. So I, a lot of that kind of groove rock stuff was was big, you know, for for me growing up. Uh, you know, hearing that kind of stuff, I really got into that. Where it was heavy bass driven, you know, music. Uh, you know, uh, as as like, you know, if you get into the ACDC and and you know stuff, which you know, my friend said uh, about ACDC, dc Goes, I still buy every single record. I don't want him to reinvent the wheel. I just want him to play that same song over and over again. And yeah, it's like my ex father in law used to call it "dumb eights on the bass. You know, dum 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 dum. And so I always thought about that, but I was always more into the mother's finest grooves, or you know, bands where everything was syncopated. You know, where with drums and the bass played against each other, not part it out. Yeah, the stoner rock thing where the bass, guitar, and drums all played the same riff over and over again. You know, I hear so many other melodies going on when when someone plays me these tracks. And I I wish that they had like a horn section or somebody that could like pick up the slack and fill in the gaps.
0: Sure, (laughs) sure. Or like some counter moves. Can I ask you about school? Were you in the marching band or choir or shit like that?
1: No, man. uh, I wasn't in any of that. Uh, Well, actually, when I was in third grade, I I played the French horn because no one else wanted to play it. And, uh, do you know?
0: Do my, you know about the ba- another bass player that played French horn? Who's that? John Antwhistle. There's a bass. There's a bass French horn solo and pictures of Lily done by him.
1: Oh shit, man! I didn't know that was him. That's funny, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nobody in my ever, like we got into the into the auditorium and uh, at the school, and then everybody was sitting around trumpet and trombone. And my sister spoke French. So I saw French horn. I was like, oh, I guess no one wants to do that. I'll do that. And so I sat there, and I kind of learned a little bit about that and a little bit of viola, I guess, around that time. I tried that out. I'm sure I tortured my parents with that for however few months I tried. You know, who's uh, good
0: on viola is Spot, the producer.
1: Oh, yeah. It's like a little
0: little larger violin. And the French horn, what I heard about the – they're tricky because they got a weird mouthpiece. It's kind of tiny.
1: Yeah, I don't. I have no idea. I just remember I was in a class and my my neighbor Steve Chesson was playing trombone, which seemed a lot trickier to me because there were no buttons, you know. That's so, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's bass clef. It's bass clef, and it's got a big ass mouthpiece.
1: Yeah, and so my, my teacher who was like probably you know twenty-two at the time, I don't know, we were in third grade, and I remember uh I remember the uh teacher going, Okay, everybody play a D and so we went down the line, and everybody tried to hit a D and he got to my friend Steve on the trombone. I don't know what note he hit, probably it was like an H sharp or something, and and he goes he goes, No, D and he missed again and he goes, D, D is in dumbass. And I was like, Wow, This is a really tough class, man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Look, Jeff, I want to play Still a Bitch. All right.
2: I'm
0: For Pedro Show. That was JD Pincus, Man Alone, with the banjo and singing. Still a bitch. Then we had <laughs> something brand new from Deuce Drone. This is out of Belfast, uh, Northern Ireland. Uh, Pete Fire Flame, then Model Home out of DC, brand new album, it's a bitchin' album, and mechanics of functionality, Bombus Prendon from the old days around the DC area, Malmwood Swings, Elmo Kirk with this uh Kirk Kirkwood's son, who's actually yeah the youngest guy in the meat puppets family affair huh? they got Derek Bostrom back by the way 1964 ever uh, Gareth Sager from the pop group has got a new piano uh, saxophone duet miniature zero one and Nielsen from hermano uh, Milo and Barcelona who is, who is who is who is this who is coming <laughs> <laughs> that's in the <laughs> translation <laughs> the last okay here's this, uh, the mystery album that no one ever got to hear it just came out and just floated to me should I say a word just another girl uh, Foodie from Osaka with uh, Pierce Hole and Wines Red <laughs> what the fuck Dustin Wong with New Ways at Traveling and finally J.D. Pincus with Happy Cow I remember uh was that band Sandy, Beat Farmers, they had one. Uh, I'm a happy boy. So when I was thinking the happy cow, I'm a happy boy. You know. And so, so, Jeff, so you get on the base, man, and you're into mother finest. And they had some, there's some good bass. They ain't no unison. Yeah, you're right. You listen to Geezer and Butler, and you listen to the way he works it with Bill Ward yeah. and Tony Yomi. Yeah, it ain't like same-o, same-o. They, they, yeah. they're, they're like fucking dueling, a little sword fight.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Tim Boger, rest in peace, he just passed oh, away. Oh, yeah,
0: that's right. Uh,
1: you know, I, I, I was always, you know, like the cactus stuff. And like some of my favorite stories of, of uh, him and Jim McCarty getting into fistfights after shows because he was soloing over uh, Jim Solo. And shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's when you know you're in a band, man. I wanna, I'm want i not going to be in another band until I can fistfight with everyone.
0: So so what was the first band you played, <laughs> played bass in?
1: oh shoot man uh i think it was a band called mr ed back when i was a kid uh <laughs> Is and then this atlanta? i was in with some it? really literary guy that uh was really book smart in atlanta and i ended up in his band called uh like drowning in the fountain and then there was one called the proles which was probably one of my last later bands i think we wanted to be like ccr or some something like that it's so we played cool. there at 88 and Margaritaville, Steve uh, May,
0: Steve May, six eight eight club. Oh yeah, oh
1: yeah, yeah
0: yeah. Ig Ig had his set list painted on the bulkhead.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And I remember there was a rock out back that had that Zappa painted on it that said, "Help, I'm a rock." (laughs) That's
0: the the mother song, right? Yeah, help I'm a rock, help I'm. So so uh, you joined the butts. How'd that happen? Because, they, you know, we played their first Hollywood gig, Minute Man, with them and the big Glad- boys at Grandy Room. And they had some cat they called Eskimo. I think his yeah, name he- might have been Quinn or something.
1: Yeah, Quinn, yeah. yeah. He's in San Antonio still, I think. Okay. Really nice guy. He played in the band called Marching Plague. They went through about 13 baseball yeah, players. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Four hours in the band. And I outlasted all of them, put together, and then took 12 years off. And then came back, I guess, uh, technically, I, to play some shows. But, uh, but yeah, they uh, they had quite a history with you know excluding bass players, and they probably <laughs> thought oh, I was gonna be one of them. I don't know. But, uh, but what happened was they, they uh, ended up in Georgia. The guy Trevor Malcolm, who was playing right before me, was he? Uh, the, he, he left was the-
0: he was the sunglasses guy, right in the video.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tuba tuba player, he was only in the band for like 6 months. I guess uh Corey Rusk and Lisa Rusk at Touch and Go kind of hooked him up with the band. And he came down with a stolen tuba from a uh, high school that he got in trouble for later because it was a <laughs> video. <an>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, Corey uh, Corey was a bass man for Necros.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, sure. It definitely was, man. And so, uh, so he left because I guess when they were in Athens, I was in Atlanta at the time, you know, doing my thing and they were in Athens and they, they were actually outside of Athens in Winterville and where Winterville was, there was nothing there. So there was no, it wasn't easy to get food. They didn't have any, uh, according to them, they didn't have any, you know, furniture. Can I, can the, I ask ca- you,
0: can I ask you? Cause Mike Azarod in his book said that Gibb was driving around with like, Mike Pipe, Mike Stipe, I want to smoke your pipe. The hype, I still want to suck your big long pipe.
1: <laughs> that's true.
0: That's, well,
1: uh, I personally was not there for that one, so <laughs> I'm gonna be, I'm gonna leave that one to uh, you judge for yourself. But I'll tell you that just I gotta give a shout out to uh, to a guy named uh, James Burns who wrote an actual uh, story about butthole surfers. That's uh, that's as, about as true as I've seen. That other guy that you mentioned, yeah. uh, he, he never talked to a single one of us, and there was stuff in there that was definitely not the way I remembered anything or who said whatever or anything like that. But uh, but I do say James Burns' book, if anybody actually wants to know the history of the butthole surfers, I mean, as, as he laughed before I described it as Leviticus, it's like, <laughs> and then he uh, forgot... This bass player and this bass player died and got this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very exact on dates. And, and yeah, it's it's the it's a, it's a, it's a true true thing. But yeah, those guys ended up in Atlanta after they left uh, without a bass player. And they had a tour going on in Europe that they wanted a bass player for. And somebody, actually, the fellow in Daddy Longhead, Jim Young, was at the Metroplex when they were down there. Steve and May again. And he recommended me, uh, it was at the New Metroplex, not the old one on Lucky Street. Oh, the one. oh okay. Yeah, it was a, the bigger one at Marietta Street. Yeah, Lucky Street was the one that, uh, I'm sure you probably played that one. And I, I, I remember seeing a bunch of bands. We always got everybody from the West Coast about four years later. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I remember, I just saw a Circle Jerks poster from 83. I think that was probably the first time they came through. Uh, but, uh, was was that the old one, you know? Uh, but yeah, so anyways, they, they invited me to come over and jam with them at a warehouse in downtown Atlanta and five points. And I came down and played Five points. There was a great club called that for a while. Well, five, there's five points and little five points.
0: Oh, that's right. Little five points. You're right.
1: That was one that was invented by hippies in the 70s. Five Points is the one that's uh, by underground Atlanta. It's a little bit seedier uh,
0: down that way. Is, is, is that where, uh, what's it called, Earl? The Earl? Uh,
1: the Earl's uh, East, East, uh, East, I was going to say Austin, East Atlanta. Okay. That's, a, that's where, where nobody ever went when I was growing
0: up. <laughs> Muscle Shoal Road or something?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was kind of no go land. There was a couple of weed dealers I knew out there. But that was- <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So look, you got the gig. In fact, you ended up on one of the covers.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty photogenic. I, I guess you didn't know that.
0: You're the hairway to Stephen. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, hairway to Stephen, which uh, which was a name uh, Gibby came up with. I remember he was passed out in the back of the uh, the van. And he popped his head up. I think we were crossing the Canadian border at that time. And he, he came up out of a stupor and just goes, Hairway to Steven, and then put his head back down. <laughs> that kind of just ended up being the name the album, which is, I think the one before that, we just threw a sock at the keyboard and it came up with P I O U G H. Yeah,
0: right. You know, Paul, so, you know, Paul just came out with a record.
1: Yeah, it's badass. As, as uh, Dale from the Melvins just told me last night, he goes, it's like a children's record for
0: adults. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Well, I've only heard one tune, but I really liked it. It's really
1: good. Yeah, yeah.
0: He was helping out these other people. You know, he's been doing a lot of producing and stuff. But
1: <laughs> Well, he's taking a break from a lot of that, and he had his computer kind of melt down on his solo record. And uh, and so, you know, he changes his mind quite a bit about things. But uh but the last he told me was that because the computer went down he was gonna call it quits he was Whoa. he was that
0: was it because i i had him on the show he was helping these other people out making an album and he was like man i'm into this producing thing i don't want to tour anymore
1: well it may seem like i say he changes his mindset
0: <laughs> <laughs> look we're at the end of the first hour uh, january yeah. 22 2021 Dishwap, peter show special guest jeff Pinkus. whole time for hour two January 22, 2021. Second hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
2: dad 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 dad
1: together during the butthole times when we were touring yeah that might be something to, to touch on yeah you're yeah.
0: talking about with the bass head
1: oh no no i wasn't there talking about that i i you you said some things to me uh that that lasted with me for a while uh are, are we going right now we yeah, are we, yeah okay yeah we, we we're uh i remember the first time you saw me play i think I think it was we played together at, uh, at in L. A. At I'm trying to think of was it the Variety Arts
0: Center? Maybe no Perkins Palace.
1: Oh okay, well, okay maybe, the, maybe with the that
0: fucking was... uh, cockroach little papers and the the light and the fire and all that shit.
1: Well, I remember you saw me play. And, yeah, uh, and uh, you came up to me and you go, "You ain't no bass player," and I go. What? And you go? You're a bass wrestler like me. And <laughs> I saw that was the funniest fucking thing in the world, and the biggest compliment I could have ever gotten was was from you on that one.
0: And it was a it was a theater, uh, Perkins yeah. Palace. But uh, you know what? We did play together at Variety Arts Center too, though. Yeah, because I remember you. You only had one bass,
1: and I and I remember you going. I break a lot of strings. Mind if I have your bass if I break one?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, look, I got to tell the people what we just heard. We heard uh, Pure Luck. I, I want to know about that project. Broke, Soak, and Dirty. Before that was We oui, Mercy from Victim. Uh, Dimoni from Giovanni Aldopo Jean. The Heat Incorporated. Raptors. Sam Bennett from Tokyo with What Was Me, What Was You. And then we started all off with Chum, which we know about here in Pedro, right? Chum Bucket is the bait. Daddy Long... Daddy Longhead. Now, now, how did Daddy Longhead get going? Is that the prod you did right out of Buttholes?
1: Yeah, I was still kind of doing Butthole Surfers then, and and we weren't really getting much done. There were some issues at that time, internal issues in the band, and uh, and I was really like uh, really lucky to be able to play with some other musicians at the time because and uh, let me just put one point out there. For Paul has never toured with without Gibby in his whole career and you know how long those guys have been playing together sure so for for me it's a real really strange realization when you think about a musician that's been playing for that long never touring with anybody else so to me to be able to play with other musicians like i had ray Washam, sure. uh, playing drums you know which you know with a guy where i'd write a song he goes oh that's cool that's seven eight and i'd go really cool yeah, yeah. but i never had that before nobody ever called out what my time signatures were but uh that and, uh, and, uh, and jimbo young who could play anything with strings or Shit. a mouthpiece yeah. or whatever and so it was kind of like a different world of music for me and uh and it was it was kind of uh, being as twisted as possible without using too many effects i guess you know uh musical signatures and weird t- you know time changing stuff stuff that i'm not as into now but it was fun back then because it was such a break from doing uh three four beats and uh you know a lot of the same stuff that we did a lot of the time uh, with butthole surfer so that's when i started doing that and that was a hard realization that it doesn't matter what you did in the past you're only as good as your last record and the the people that are getting the word out for it so uh you know you know as much as i enjoyed playing the music Doing the business was a big life learning experience because, you know, we never put our names on Butthole Surfers records or who wrote what or whatever. And I wasn't a starter, of, you know, I didn't start the band. Uh, so it was really like totally starting from scratch where I thought maybe I'd have a leg up on people, but
0: I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I enjoy it, man. I- thanks yeah i enjoyed it i remember when it was happening too and it was like but i you know you're a wrestler i knew you could fucking handle anything but it, <laughs> it, i'm it, a
3: it, wrestler
0: yeah <laughs> that's what i meant uh but you because you know there's this kind it happens with drummers too like these guys are just side mice they can't compose that's right bullshit right. yeah yeah
1: yeah so, and, you know, the place for everybody, though, you know, it's like my, my strength is not, a, you know, I, I'm not a jam player. I'm not uh, someone that, you know, and I, I like getting into other people's heads to work on their songs. But I really, really, really dig writing songs. I yeah. really dig like as, as much control over it. And that's why the banjo is a lot of fun uh because you know it's like when you when you get people together and you all compromise one idea it gets watered down it can't help but get watered down there has to be a captain you're a captain you know
0: uh you know you have to so he's got to have their hand on the rudder
1: yeah exactly and so that to me is like it's fun to do both but i really get a lot of enjoyment and self-satisfaction out of being able to compose something all by myself which is really, which you've done on the bass, uh, way more successfully than me. Uh, you know, I always have to explain to other people what I'm hearing. But with the banjo and my effects, I can kind of get all those different instruments and a little percussion uh, going from the banjo as well. So it's it's kind of like a a way to 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 be able. To, you know, I can't play guitar with the crap. So <laughs> it's really the only only thing that makes sense to me is a banjo or bass. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, look, you, you you flowed me this song. You only gave me one butthole surfer song, and it was the Bong song. Yeah. Okay. A, Go ahead, tell me. Well,
1: because that one you you said songs you played on or were you well in butthole surfers there was a you know there was a lot of compromise. I'd come up with uh, music and you know give you come up with some lyrics or you know we'd all share stuff like that. But that song right there, King wasn't living with us at the time. And we did this album, Widowmaker, and I did the uh, drums on my Roland drum machine, playing what I thought King would play. I played two bass tracks, did a bong hit for vocals, and uh, and Paul did a bong hit, which we, if anyone knows us, we we had, I had to share weed and we we're on a budget. So we always held the weed in like it was the last hit in the world. And so that song uh, showed you how we were back in those days. We didn't t- We did not mess around when you have one bud and five mouths to feed <laughs> nobody wasted a drop <laughs> so the, song, the song echoed that and i figured that was probably the most fitting one if i was going to put one of the ones on there that was the most me uh probably of of any of the butthole surfer songs okay let's listen
2: I'm never gonna break no one
0: Walk for Peter's Show. Yeah, the Bog Song from Bohol Surfers. That's a Jeff Pinkus song, people. January's after that song of a lost self, plus one from Quiet Pig out of Italy. Moist Boys, High and Mighty. His skull is a jar from Snowball's Chance in Hell. Going to be the death of me from Grand Champion. Finally, Honky without a season. Now, Honky came after Daddy Lo- uh, Longhead? Yeah, correct. Longhead. Yes, yes. Tell me about that. That was
1: a really fun project. That was not supposed to be a touring band, but I liked it so much I, I went against what the uh, what one of the other guys did, and we started touring. We strove we strove one of my best friends out of the band, but <laughs> but it was uh it was it was uh, very stripped down. I just wanted to do southern what we call super boogie uh, stuff with a groove stuff that was when we when we locked in to play a groove for a second it stood out because most of the time we were syncopated as can be uh doing some boogie woogie in our you know super uh, uh sped up way i guess and uh the song that you're about to play i got to hire the guys from brownout speedy uh the horn player from brownout from texas used to be a Grupo Fantasma still is i guess uh but i got the horn section wrote this this part for me uh and uh it just was some of my favorite production that's why i gave you this song for uh for what we did and paul actually mixed uh this record for me, is that right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. He was very happy because it had guitars, which is something he hadn't
0: mixed in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? We already heard it.
2: <laughs>
0: oh, there you go. <laughs> okay, it was Jeff. Good, wasn't it? Yeah, I loved it. I loved it, brother. Look, we're <laughs> at the end of the second hour, January 22nd, twenty second, twenty twenty one. Edition out. Peter's our special guest, Jeff Pink. his whole time for hour three. January 22nd, 2021. It's the third hour of the Watt for P-Bro show.
3: understanding. To know this love is strength that keeps us strong. For the purpose of everything will have to unfold eventually. We'll have to be patient. There's always so much And the sun's beating down on the other side And I think about the one I love And she's so far away Things aren't turning out like I had planned She's coming from a good family And I was just a poor boy on the street We fell in love At some crazy party Isn't it strange how to pass me How long will it take you How long will it take you To realize
1: Money slaloms through the fingers. American spirits, guitars and strings, ever clear. Once hash. Now more books, records, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, cholesterol, blood work, gym membership. A strange obsession with shoes and pants, accumulations of black t shirts, tattoos, heat pump, gutters. There is no rest from the consuming feast, They come in the mail, obsessively, minimum payment, telling me to stay
2: in touch until death do us part, together, forever.
0: Off show started off the third hour with another Jeff Baker's project. Ariola 51, Ted Danson, <laughs> which is kind of a, not punk rock, but pun rock. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had a tragic comedy live on KPFK until Realize realized uh, uh, Phil Venable bills toward a Cavulse from the Transidio uh, project. Helios Creed. Ah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. You you did some uh, you did a shift with him. Isolation uh, tank. Yeah, hit from Chrome. Everybody from the old days in the city. Uh, but but tell us first about a yeah Areola Fifty One. Uh, Areola is uh, Fifty One
1: is I like it because everyone's got one and no one knows how to spell it. Areola <laughs> part right around the nipple protruding part. Sure, sure. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Areola Fifty One is a project that. Uh, Brett Bradford and Max Brody uh, were were doing a project called Sangre de Toro, and we decided we were going to record something. They wanted me to play with them, but they didn't really have a bunch of songs, and none of my songs, which I can write a song really fast. I found out, so I don't have to play other people's songs. And, thought, <laughs> and by the time it was done, it didn't sound like Sangre de Toro, so we called it Ariel Fifty One. And uh, Max Brody's he's, he's played in uh, he played in Euripides Pants. To, I love uh, that name. You yeah, rip these, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. these pants, I
0: break your face.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You rip at these pants. Had Ray Washam actually playing drums as well? That's right. That's right. And and him and Ray played in Ministry and uh, Brett Bradford, of course, we all know from Scratch Acid. Yep. Uh, one of the uh, one of the the great riff writers from bringing as someone put bringing Sabbath riffs into punk rock. Yeah. How <laughs> well, they said that? And it's
0: Vitus, to too. Uh, Dave yeah. Chandler. Yeah.
1: Oh, totally, man. Yeah. So, uh, so we got together and we did that and then we did another record and no one's really heard any of this stuff, but I, I think some, you know, we never really had anyone to put it out and it's, it's, it's uh, kind of out there and maybe someday we'll get it out there, but I'm, I'm really proud of doing the stuff and we did it all uh, to two inch tape on the first record. And the second one was a little bit digital and passed around. So two different styles. But uh, but the first one was was extremely raw and two inch uh uh, uh sixteen track.
0: Yeah, the fat bottom. So what's it connect like, with Helios?
1: Yeah, Helios uh he's an interesting cat, man. The first time I played on a record with him, he had sold that record to two different people, uh, <laughs> with Tom Hazelmeyer from Amrep and uh and uh, who's re releasing some of his old stuff now and uh, Frank Kozik, and so. Uh, it ended up coming out with Kozik, and I remember Hazelmeyer's quote when I told him I apologize for being a part of it. He goes, Oh no, if that's a, if he goes, if uh I think it was like five thousand bucks. He goes, if it just cost me five thousand bucks to get Helios out of my life, I'm okay with it. <laughs> so, anyways, Helios is quite the businessman and uh and Chrome was one of my favorite bands. Oh, like yeah. Mind bomb. Made, Mind bomb. Yeah. Half Machine Lips Moves was Oh yeah, by, that's bitches such like just the way the album flows together, all that stuff. Yeah. You know, being able to fart into a microphone and people <laughs> taking it, you know, all that stuff was all on that record. And it was, you know, and uh and, and I'm I'm very happy with the stuff that I ended up getting to do with Helios. Uh would I want to do it again? Yeah, I don't know. Probably not.
0: You know <laughs> Nathan do you know Nathan and Frank from uh We Are the Asteroid? Oh yeah, of course, yeah. They they've got a, an adventure.
1: <laughs> like oh, yeah well frank frank played with me on on the stuff that uh that i did I oh him okay
0: okay yeah he, yeah i got because they want... opened up for flipper with that uh david yow singing that's and,
1: right that's right i remember frank saying to that he hooked up with you and you also played with my friend cosmo down in houston i think
0: that's right that's right yeah. what, what about the the last connect i want to get to because we're running out of time the melvins because you gave me uh bright at Crankenstein. Yeah, and I gave you. Uh, Don't forget. Don't to forget breathe. to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna play both those next chunk of music. Right on. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. For Pedro Show. Thank you, Rooster. We started that chunk <laughs> of music off with Brida Frankenstein," Melvin's. Then we had Tim Hohaus with Rise, Donna the Double, part four of four. That's Emmett Kelly and Jim White, uh, great cats. And then finally, Melvin's with Don't Forget to Breathe. Bo- both both the Melvin tunes brought on board by uh, brother Jeff Pinkus, and he's gonna tell us about that experience.
1: Yeah, man, uh, I got really lucky uh, to uh, to you know be be good buddies with Dale. We played his band Altamont, my band Hockey played tours together, and uh, back when he was married to uh, Lori, I think her name is from Acid King, and uh, and then later on we ended up uh, you know I, I joked with him about being a uh, being rhythm based for him at some point in time, and and uh, you know halfway joking because of course I'd love to play with him. And uh, the opportunity, I was down actually in Houston recording with a guy named Meganut. Do you know? Do you know Meganut, Lonnie Marshall?
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. We- a weapon yeah. of choice. Was, yeah, 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 yeah. Great great, He plays a Steinberger and shit. Great bass. Man. Yeah, yeah, but naked, and also he has but a rubber band. Right.
1: I, was, I was down recording some songs he didn't want to do in Houston with my friend Carson from Hawkey's project called uh, uh, Neptune's Harem. And so I was down there and I get a phone call from Buzz and he goes, Hey man. And he, you know, he doesn't call us or something going on. And uh, he goes, Hey man. So, uh, yeah. You know, I was wondering if honky would be able to play, uh, on a Melvin's tour. And I was like, Oh yeah, sure, man. I didn't even talk to the guy. And I said, of course, you know, I'll make that happen <laughs> and he goes, he goes, uh, okay. Well, you know, the only thing is, uh, Dale, cause Dale had played drums on some Honky stuff. He goes, Dale's got to play drums in honky. I was like, oh, yeah, what a problem that would be. Okay, sure. Yeah, so I said yes, and then it turned out Jared from uh, Carp and from Big Business, I'm a big fan of, uh, he was having a a baby around that time, and it was when Big Business was playing with Melvins. And so what it turned out was they wanted me to play bass uh, for the Melvins, and then also uh do uh, honky with Dale and so they keep everything uh, very much uh business minded like you were saying if you ain't if you ain't playing you're paying uh keep <laughs> paying, paying, like Bobby was in the crew he was guitar tech and honky played and I played in both bands Dale played in both bands I mean yeah this is this is uh efficient as a business model there, there yeah. was
0: there was Art, Cody Art, too Art. right
1: Cody yeah and Cody was playing and so you know anyway, the one out there and then uh recorded some songs with them did that tour. Then I did, they, they parted ways with the big business guys uh, for whatever reason they did. And uh, then they asked me to do a three piece tour. And uh, then they asked me to come back and do some more shows. And then Steven started playing with them. And then uh, they asked me to come in and do double bass with them, uh, which I had originally talked about. And so that finally happened. And so Pincus abortion technician happened Hold It In happened before that, and that was with. I brought Paul on board actually to play on that one, and he plays on Bride of Frankenstein, the beautiful guitar solo is him. Yeah, yeah, I, I bet you. Also brought him aboard on on uh, Pinkus' Voicing Technician, even though the other guys didn't know I did it. <laughs> but I had Paul play a lead on that song, and they didn't know that was Paul was on there, so he didn't even get credit on the album. <laughs> but he backed down both of those songs. Uh, me and Paul are still really tight when it comes to playing and, and talking, and we keep up with each other all the time. Yeah.
0: Yeah, now you just moved, but as yes. you settled in? Are you making music? Are you writing right now?
1: I am writing so much. I just finished the newest banjo record. Uh, the songs I wrote for the Butthole Surfers, like Paul put his out on Shumi Disc that are, that's coming out through Joyful Noise. Kramer has talked to me about doing a June release, and I'm getting my stuff that was done for the Butthole Surfers. Uh, that I had originally written for that. Um, uh, I've been working on that for a while now, and I'm going to finish that up next after this banjo one. And so that's going to come out hopefully in June, and an unreleased Daddy Longhead record uh, should be coming out around hopefully February. So I'm definitely keeping as busy as I can with not being able to play live shows. Sure, sure. It, what what, what about on the fly- Internet?
0: Fly- Where can people find you on the Internet, Jeff?
1: jdpinkus.com is my website. Everything's linked let, together. Let, let's
0: let's spell that for people. J-D-P-I-N-K-U-S dot com. That's it, man. Okay. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm also on Bandcamp under J.D.Pinkus. Yeah, but you probably got links to all that stuff at your site, yep.
1: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a guy that helped me out, Paul Jensen with Onama Media, man. He has is, he is helped me mapped my way through that digital maze and I had no understanding of how to bring everything together from all your bands and all your sites. And I'm just telling any musician who's in that that position, yeah. it will change your life to hook all of your stuff up and make a central hub out of your website. I had no idea how much business you can actually like expose yourself to by, by figuring that stuff out. It's all been a mystery to me for so long.
0: Someone once told me the future belongs to the efficient.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I go fishing all the
0: time. <laughs> Look when you, I, I'm curious your banjo records where do you record them at home?
1: Yeah, I record them at home. The first one my friend Danny Barnes who uh, is an amazing banjo player. he's like my guru uh, he uh, he got just Steve Martin gave him fifty thousand dollars out for banjo excellence out of the blue a couple of years ago. Look he wanted me to do a banjo record he took that money and he wanted to do his own little label and he liked my song so he was the one that convinced me to do my first record and it was so uh it felt so good to me to be able to do something that was that personal that um enjoying doing the second one right now and you know so it's kind of like you know when i die People can go make coffee in the morning, and it'll be like I'm sitting across the room from them in the kitchen playing a banjo song for them while they get ready for work, you know. Yeah, that's it's,
0: beautiful, Jeff. It's
1: kind of kind of like something,
0: it's very personal. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, well, from the heart, man, and I love it. Yeah. And it's a big honor to have you on the show. When you get this other stuff um, coming out and stuff, you want to come back on the show, we can talk about it?
1: Love to, man. I, it's such a privilege and an honor to be uh talking with you again, Mike. It's been way too long. Okay. And really love you. I appreciate everything you've done. I appreciate what you're still doing. And uh fucking thanks for inspiring me for, for being the bass player I am, man. Oh, Call yeah. me a bass wrestler it probably changed my life,
0: man. <laughs> bass wrestler, brother Jeff. Big love to you. People, it's been <laughs> the January 22nd, 2021, the dishwap Peter Show. Keep your powder dry.